If you are not succeeding at the high end, then you're absolutely doomed to failure. You want to be absolutely consistent across all your product lines and deliver something that you already know how to use. Figure out what their frustrations are and you solve that. That is what develops long-term differentiation. I'm very excited about Peter here. <laughs> Peter, who is not by any means a stranger to product design. 17 years of experience, this guy. Taught uh, design at Stanford. Worked at IDEO later on. Worked on crazy wildest projects at IDEO. Led the famous shopping cart uh, project where they redesigned the shopping cart. ABC Nighttime video, many of you have probably seen that. I started working at Handspring, worked himself all the way up to the VP of design at Palm, the famous Palm Pre into the smartphone market, wowed everybody with the design at the time. Called him over here to talk more about design, the opportunities that lie in front of us, some of the problems that people have with interfaces that are, are they're facing in design as far as industrial design goes, as far as mobile design goes, as far as web design goes, what are some of those problems, how can we address them, and the opportunities that lie with it. So, let's welcome Pete to Zerp Soapbox. Thank you. Thank you. I kind of like these little community things, and it's fun for me to do, and this is the last opportunity I can do it, because tomorrow I get in a plane and start my new job. I'm moving to London for three years, and I'm going to run uh, Mego UX and services for Nokia. Are you? Really? Are you working at Nokia now? Sweet. So, uh, yeah, so I'm reporting to Marco Atasadi, and, uh, and uh, I will, uh, they don't even know yet, so don't tell them. Uh, I think it's going to be announced on Monday. So, uh, so, so it's going to be pretty intense. But I have a point of view about where I want to take Migo. So uh, I like talking about design, and I've been doing mobile for a long time, and I just think so much of it's broken. And... It's not about the technology, so I want to talk about the context first. So, uh, you know, huge market, uh, uh, 18% compound annual growth rate, and the other interesting thing about the smartphone market is that 80% of the subsidies are going to the hero phones like the iPhones and the uh, the, the higher-end HTC stuff and the Samsung Captivates and, you know, the, the uh, leading-edge Google products. And so if you are not succeeding at the high end, then you're absolutely doomed to failure because that means that your product is going to be either way too expensive or it's going to be, uh, uh, because basically the feature phones are priced the same as the smartphones because the smartphones are being subsidized so much. So they're a really big shift. That happened in the last 14 months and it's completely blown up a lot of business models and a lot of different companies. So uh, it's 20% of the market uh, is smartphones today. If you think about that, you know, three, 400 million phones a year that you might categorize as a smartphone, even 10% of that is an unbelievably huge business that scaled far beyond uh, a lot of, you know, the big companies are today. But there's maybe only room for, I would say, five players in the space. So design is only about 5% of it. You know, it's... Design is just, you know, a little industrial design or, or UI, et cetera, the, the sort of high end of it. And a lot of us people that are in design often think it's a lot more important than it really is. 
but it's really about marketing, sales, distribution, reverse logistics, procurement. All the elements of the service business uh, are what it takes to deliver a world-class product and experience today. And it's something that, that, that you ask yourself, you know, are we building bicycles? And the reality is that the cost of failure when you're building bicycles are, are, is actually pretty, pretty minimal. Airplanes are a better metaphor. If you take one little component of an airplane and there's a problem with it, if it's not good enough, if the marketing isn't good enough, if the service integration, the UI, the overall experience, the marketing, branding, out-of-box experience, then you really put all the passengers of your company at risk. So I'm going to talk about what's next. I'm going to talk about simplicity, a little bit on the WebOS story, and uh, some uh, nuances and user interfaces that I think are going to really impact the experience design in the next year and what's broken. So I'm going to talk about a lot. I'll go fast. Uh, I may have to cut it short because I, I put in a lot of content for today. So the problem is that devices don't talk to each other. And pairing is really a lousy model because it's really a long-term relationship and you really want a short-term relationship with your accessories. So the, the, I explicitly select something. I select that printer. I select that music uh, uh, dock. I select different events, and rather than opening up a uh, menu and having 20 different devices that I can potentially pair to, and then I'm connected with them, maybe I don't want to be connected with them. Maybe there's a security issue. So I think the model is really wrong. Uh, the UI model for a lot of experience isn't based on a physical metaphor, so it's, a, it, it's sort of hard to learn. Um, and uh, there's a ton of crap that people are putting on, I don't know if people have experienced the new Motorola phones, for example, but they're putting a lot of Moto Blur and a lot of other uh, software on top of Android, and arguably, if you read in gadget blogs or whatever, you'll, you'll, you'll hear a critique that it actually makes the experience worse. Um, and screen resolution differences make development really hard. That splits up the community. But ultimately, a lot of it is about how organizations are structured, that they don't talk to each other. The organizational structures of companies are a lot like academics in the Middle Ages, where, where you have one silo for chemistry and physics and math. And all these little you know, biochemistry grows off of chemistry, and there's all this new growth that occurs. Uh, but what ends up happening is that... that that the different silos don't talk to each other, and that's where all the opportunity is in design, especially in big companies. And that was certainly one of the arguments that I made when I went to interview for nine days at Nokia. It was pretty intense. Um, the other context uh, is that uh, you've got folks in China. These, these are all palm plastics from every phone that we've ever done, and not a single piece in this display came out of our tools. They can take a, part, a phone, they can laser scan it in about uh, eight hours, and then they can, in two to three weeks, create a full set of tools and mimic and ship anything. And in fact, I have an entire book of all the Nokia phones that were shipped in the last two years with all of the uh, software, the bombs, the, uh, the complete Gerber files, everything that you can you, you need to copy a mobile phone. And if you look at Metrotech and a lot of the chip developers that are over in Taiwan, it's just the, the bar for delivering reasonable hardware has really, really come down. So uh, let's talk about the WebOS. Um, let me just make sure my volume is up. Sure. Uh, so um, 
you want to be absolutely consistent across all your product lines and deliver something that you already know how to use. It's, it's, you want to make technical literacy totally irrelevant and let intuition take over. And you need to create an ecosystem where that design, the hardware, the software, accessories, and maybe most importantly, the services, I think long term, that's going to be the area of the biggest growth, drive a total product experience. You need to focus on the end-to-end -end experience, starting with consideration. The marketing is really important. What the messaging, unique value proposition is, why do people want to purchase? And you need to invest in direct user observation. All the key insights come from studying users directly. You know, focus groups are a total waste of time. Never do focus groups because they'll just tell you what you already know. And um, you need to communicate the value proposition directly. Like, no impossibly gorgeous 17-year-old girls waving their phone around. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. You know, you want to communicate why you want to use something. What does it do for you? What's the what's the the value proposition? So when we launched. Palm uh, or launched the pre. I mean, prior to that, everyone basically considered us dead. And uh, this was a piece I put together to show to carriers before the UI was even done for the WebOS. Because I, I managed UI for a year and a half before Matthias Duarte, great guy, came and, and finished that. And I focused on industrial design and accessories. But during this time, we had to communicate to carriers why they should care about Palm at all. And in some ways, Nokia is in a bit of a, a similar place. And so I hope to reinstill some of that passion about executing. This is what the UI looked like uh, when I was managing it and, and even how incoming calls looked like um, you know, early on and how the notifications, uh, core navigation, you know, a lot of these ideas were, were, were there really early on and then it took a while to really refine that into a complete experience. And I will say that it was an absolutely epic task to take this on and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life to kind of go back and uh, with integrity, you know, uh, uh, work with a team of people that were totally committed to making something that big happen. It was really hard, but it was really fun. So if you look at where we were, you know, the Palm 5 was this incredibly simple product. Uh, people loved, not didn't have a lot of functionality, but we kind of lost our way. It was, uh, there were, uh, it was a, a PDA with, CPU RAM ROM and, and a phone CPU RAM ROM and, and a operating system that was single threaded and took three weeks to put a radius in a dialog box. You know, it was really, really hard to deal with. And we added a lot of buttons. It got more complicated. And the goal with Pre was to kind of get back to where the, the values and the foundation of the company really, really was. And ultimately, I think that. Uh, it absolutely was a simpler experience. Discoverability of core navigation, which exists in the bottom of the screen, was a little hard. It was difficult for me to give the phone to my grandmother or somebody else and just have them use it. So uh, I think education was a factor there. But um, uh, I think that we went pretty far. And there were some things that we did, like this little wave. You swipe up from the bottom, you get this... Uh, list of icons you can lift up and it sort of mimics back to the original core functions that were part of the original Palm 5. Um, 
The hardware is another really important part of it. You know, I mentioned that I think the bars come down because it's so easy to copy, but still the higher level functions, in particular how you do sensor integration, is an area where you're really going to be able to differentiate moving forward. And, you know, it turns out that it's really hard to do hardware well, and especially antennas, when you got five different antennas, you know, uh, you know, I've been using this for a while, and it really does drop calls if you hold it on the lo left-hand corner. And that, that it's, it's really hard to do. It's the most challenging development area in consumer electronic product design is smartphones. Um, the end-to-end -end experience means that the moment that the customer gets the box, that the details matter. No detail is small. What we did here is we put the sleeve, so all the carrier branding would go on the sleeve, and when you pull the sleeve off, um, you're left with something kind of pure. Um, and it allowed the carriers to, to, to brand it, which they care about, and when they want to put their NASCAR crap all over it, you can still <laughs> you know, uh, strip it away. Um, connect and configure, it was really about cutting the cord. You're not syncing to a PC anymore at all. It's entirely syncing with the cloud. And that model, including the over-the-air software updates, um, uh, delivers a much richer experience. And an example is when uh, I log into all of my Facebook and LinkedIn and my Google and work emails when I first get the phone. And that out-of-box experience, I put in all those credentials. Um, Facebook images are automatically loaded as the speed dial photos. So if somebody calls me, like my niece, who called me about a month ago, and her boyfriend had been edited out of her Facebook picture. And I was like, Shannon, what's up? And she's like, yeah, we broke up. You know, and I was like, that is so cool. I, can, I knew that, you know. And she's like, Shannon. Uh, you know. um, uh, and discovering delight. I'll tell you sort of a fun aside that, that in the branding, the goal was to kind of make the, the branding authentic and have the phones live in a real context. And this is a photo shoot that I went to... Um, in San Anselmo, this incredible Eichler. And the idea was, you know, you put the people in the back. It's not about the people. It's about the product. And then when you go to the website, you'll see a lot of that kind of fade to uh, uh, the background fight fades away. But you get the context. And it was a desire to brand it differently than the austere, you know, a white piece of marble, a reflective environment that doesn't really reflect how we all live. Uh, the launch... Uh, included uh, 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 the Palm, the original Palm Pre uh, that we launched with Sprint, and then the later Verizon unit where we took away the button and Pixie, which actually is, I think, the cleanest design of them all. I love this phone. I always love this phone. Its scale, its size, its authenticity. It's got a double shot rubber back. And the idea is that, that you, you delete the case because people put rubber cases all over their phones to protect them. The idea is, well, we ship it with it so you don't need to buy an extra rubber case. But ultimately, uh, it was really a market failure. And there are a couple interesting asides. Don't ever call a product Pixie. That was so dumb. Because the guys, the guys in the store wouldn't be caught dead using a Pixie. No 23-year-old in the world is going to buy, a, you know, I should have called it like Fairyland or whatever. It was like, uh, anyway, a lot of marketing gas. Um, 
the Touchstone was developed in my group. I had a, a small um, uh, user-facing technology team that, that where we actually the very first uh, coil that we did was just a, a piece of PVC hacked off and we wrapped a bunch of wires around and it was and, and showed that demo of a you know, uh, like a Trio 650 charging inductively to John Rubenstein, and he made it a mandate that we were going to go drive that. And an integral part of that is the software experience so that when you, it's ringing and it's on the dock, if you pick it up, it answers the call, etc. And hopefully they will take this much farther because that is only scratching the surface of where that experience can go. I also wanted to completely integrate the design language with a lot of uh, so that uh, uh, simple, soft, and authentic, that framework was consistent through the packaging, the accessories, the cables, everything, and little little details like, you know, first of all, who gives a crap about the USB logo? What does that mean to anybody? So this little recess, you line up these dots, and you always get the orientation right when you put the cable in. When you have a USB stick in your computer, like how often do you get the orientation wrong? It's like that's one tiny grain of sand, right? And if you have a hundred of those, it becomes a total menace. So these details collectively matter. And in the packaging, there's an explicit hierarchy of how all the information is structured with the legal stuff going at the bottom because nobody cares about it, right? So don't put a bunch of paperwork on top of the phone. Reveal the phone immediately so the customers can pick it up and use it, right? Um, it included multitasking, um, universal search, uh, synergy, which is the ability to view multiple calendars at the same time, and still today is better than almost any desktop solution. It's, it's synergy really works. Um, inobtrusive notifications in terms of how they resolve and, and resolve into a tiny icon that you can go back and, and access later. It's not blocking notification. It, you choose whether or not you want to engage. Um, and it also included, well, that's maybe not really true. It's not Web 3.0. It's kind of marketing speak. But um, uh, all the information is directly tied to the cloud. And it enables a lot of additional services, remote kill, um, things that you might want for the enterprise, plus over-the-air updates. So why are OTA, why is OTA so important, anybody? What are the, what are the two big benefits that you get? Uh, no, no syncing needed, and so so. But but what do they provide the customer directly when you can do? Community of what? It's transparency. I mean, you don't, you don't no, this is like over the air, like uh, like when I deliver a new version of the software. Yeah, bug fixes, crash updates. Right. So so quality is the very first thing that you can eliminate uh, a lot of returns risk. It's the most important thing. And if you do it OTA, you get about 96%. At best, in the old days, we'd get 25%. If we flooded people with emails, they just wouldn't do it. It was too much of a pain. Um, and the second thing, what's the second main thing you get over the air? You get everybody running the same version? Uh, that doesn't really matter. Nobody cares. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, you get, uh, I'm not sure if I heard it in the back, but it's additional features. What you get is the ability to add a feature that wasn't there previously. Right. Now, there are challenges for accounting, but that's sort of in the noise. So um, you can't even see this, but the uh, application tools are, are a part of that whole framework, including the emulator and the ability to build applications. And since it's based on uh, JavaScript and CSS and, and HTML, it's, it's very 
it uses the lingua franca of the web to, to, to make applications. It's very easy. And if you look at what, uh, I mean, maybe a lot, uh, I don't know how many people are totally familiar with, with Ajax and, you know, um, so I'll, I'll just run over this quickly then. But, you know, the, what we offered is putting the software data and logic up top in the browser client, and basically the UI runs as an instance of WebKit uh, on the product. Um, it means that uh, your ability to, H using HTML5, you get offline access, and it ends up um, uh, being incredibly easy to develop for. So that's, that's sort of where we drove it. And uh, I don't think I'm going to focus on, on this too much. I'm going to skip over that. And the same thing for Android. I, I want to talk about that. Uh, so simplicity is really complex. What you reject, and this you can put in the blog, is a lot more important than what you put in. So uh, the goal is to eliminate frustrations. People don't ask for that. You know, people say, you know, uh, I, I don't want your product to be a pain. The, the key is, is if you figure out what their frustrations are and you solve that, that is what develops long-term differentiation. And that defines what cool is for Palm. Now, it doesn't mean that you position your product that way, but ultimately that makes an experience really sticky. So, you know, as, but as you, of course, as you add features, the customer experience gets better, right? <laughs> you, you, you're a pretty, uh, pretty good audience. I, I often get people nodding their heads. <laughs> um, the, so there's a total diminishing return for this, and, and the key is focusing on what's important, jettisoning everything else, and simplicity and speed define what a great experience often is, right? Uh, a, so the right balance is, is not that you don't have all the features, but maybe at least you're structuring them hierarchically, so the most important stuff is, is available and always there, and the least important stuff is accessible but, but not uh, distracting or superfluous. Uh, so, you know, I, I love this example. Um, simplification often defies conventional wisdom. You know, it's the same feature set. You know, you can say what you want about their graphic design and sort of engineering-centric uh, point of view, but, but uh, this is the same feature set for the most part. Totally delivered in a different point of view. And it, it completely misses by the sort of committee feature-laden approach to um, uh, adding additional things that they think will make it better, that the, the total experience is lost. And here you have this Wah! white space, and it's just sort of refreshing. You know, there, there's some cultural things happening about the complexity of people's lives, and people are actually seek simplicity, whereas in the 18th century you might have a... Uh, a Rococo architecture and, and, and uh, elaborate scrolls of, of uh, angels with trumpets, and that was sort of the ultimate expression of, of what culturally people wanted to see. And maybe in a context where your whole family might die of cholera, that sort of reaching to a, you know, having angels over, over, your, over your house might seem like a really good thing, but you can't imagine today with all the complexity and how you're connected to everything that you want to live in that unbelievably broke, uh, 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 visually busy way. So uh, nuance and user interfaces, I think, is absolutely going to be the driver for much of what we see in great product design and experiences. 
Uh, the basic principles, kind of cribbed from Larry Constantine, are, are purposeful and consistent structure, uh, simplicity where the common tasks are really easy to get to quickly. Um, if you make a mistake, you got to have a, uh, an elegant way to exit from that mistake and not have some bad thing happen as a result. Um, uh, you want uh, applications to the behaviors on applications to be reused so that when somebody learns a, a pathway or a mental approach to getting something done, that that same approach can be used in every context. You want feedback so that you always know what the state is. If I select something, I want it highlighted. I don't want to select something and not see it highlighted because then I might not then have the context in which to know what to do next. And lastly, not a lot of redundant information. This is just about editing, visual editing, often uh, brutal editing to make sure that, that actions are really transparent. So <clears throat> when I think about simplicity, it's about deleting the obvious and irrelevant. And you saw the example where I put the legal information on the bottom of the box. Um, you want consistency. If I enter a house and I go into the kitchen. If when I go from the kitchen into the dining room, I want to walk directly from there to here. But the reality is that in most operating systems today, still, you're, when you're in the kitchen, you want to go to the dining room, you got to go back through the front door. You know, that, that's what, you know, that is effectively what this button is. This is the go back to the front door button, right? And that is not a model that human beings are, are uh, people are really spatial, right? Um, you want uh, savings and time feel like simplicity. That's uh, uh, a, a quote from Maeda that I like the, his phrase phrasing in that. Um, in haptics, uh, 30 milliseconds might make a difference, audio haptics. In, in a lot of uh, launching mechanics, user highlighting behavior, that kind of thing, 100, 200 milliseconds might be enough. And performance was something that actually hurt us. Performance on Pre and Pixie was a problem. Part of that was in trying to drive everything to WebKit. We were just at the ability where the technology was mature enough to deliver on that. Probably in the next year, that becomes totally moot. But um, uh, thoughtful reduction. Uh, you want to make something really easy to learn, like the Frisbee, but have many layers of mastery. And more emotions are better than less. Why is this so true? Why do you want to imbue your products and your experiences with some emotional content? Now, it doesn't have to be overwrought, but just some subtlety. Okay. What else? Makes it memorable. Computers as a person. Right. Makes people tolerant. Encourages. Makes people tolerant. Now, this, that right there is, is maybe what I feel is one of the most important things is that you get a get-out-of-jail-free card. It, when people have an emotional connection to the experience, then they're willing to give you a break. And ultimately, it, it embodies itself in minimizing returns. Uh, you know, it's not just a good thing because it feels good. It's also a good thing for business. Um, beware the lollipop of mediocrity. Lick it once and you suck forever. You know, uh, uh, this, it is so easy. It's like candy to like, to, to make something, oh, I'll cut a corner, you know, but, but remember we're not building bicycles. Every detail matters. Everything that you do makes a difference. Even if it seems like a little detail, 
if there's one little part wrong, that that cable, you know, the splice in the cable for the throttle or the, the flap control, you know, you didn't quite do a good enough job, then the whole plane will crash. I mean, that that is the the, the point of of how interaction design and integrated hardware and services experience has evolved to, where the expectations are really, really high. So you got to be really picky about everything. Now, this is that spatial model I talked about. You know where you're your notepad is and your phone and your clock and everything. You have a very spatial memory of, of, of how all this information lives. But with a with with phone, you only have this tiny little you know, window where you can only effectively see one thing at a time. That's the challenge, right? And so the, the, the solution that we had was to give tasks a place where um, cards and the physicality of that structure um, made multitasking very easy, like that architectural model I talked about. You know, if I switch over to here, I know that that app is to the right, and so I can go back because I remember because I have a spatial model for that. Um, uh, I also think that that the uh, nuance, uh, so so core navigation, are that's one critical element. The next critical element, and sorry, this slide isn't showing. Neither is my header up in the top there, but um, layers. Uh, and transparency, where uh, layers and how you uh, handle um, uh, status and notifications are thought of as many, many layers rather than as a single flat plane. Um, uh, and notifications are critical, as well as visual nuance and transitions, right? People um, expect a, uh, a, a certain level of physicality and in uh, manipulating a user interface. And if you give objects you know, friction and you give objects a uh, coefficient of restitution so that when you move something, it bounces, and it, it, it kind of begins to feel a little bit more like real life. And we human beings like to connect to those things. And you can't go over to the top making it kitsch and do all sorts of crazy animations and you know, like, I'm not a huge fan of, of when I delete something and it pours into the trash can. It's, like, cute once, and then the 50th time you're like, <laughs> right? But there's a level, so it's about editing, right? And, and for the most part, I think Apple did an incredible job of pioneering the expectations with respect to those nuances. Um, what's next? How am I doing for time? Five more minutes. I think I'll make it. Uh, these are the four things that matter. Delicious hardware, cloud services, which probably likely become the most important element over time, a user interface that's incredibly rich and physical, and a developer ecosystem. If you don't, if you're missing one piece in this game, you're dead, right? Um, I think that uh, the web is kind of not going to be relevant in its current form, despite what you might think if you read John Gruber's review of the iPad. I think that. The web is being replaced by a lot of dynamic web apps where I come in and Flipboard is just one beginning example of this. But, you know, I'll, I'll pick a news item and I pick that and then I can get to a photo gallery and then from there I can see videos and link to other things. And, and it, 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 if you watch 23-year-olds, the way that they consume information is not like, you know, us old guys anymore. You know, it, it's a totally different model about how data is being consumed. And so... Um, unless you see that, you make a lot of bad decisions about where you should be driving your platforms and expectations about how people are consuming this information. Like TV is just becoming less relevant. It's like uh, 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 people in college now are just watching everything on the web. 
why buy why buy a Comcast HD news uh, or HD TV service when I and and wait for my show to come on when I can just get everything on Hulu or you know it's just a totally different model. Um, if you anybody has seen John Underkoffler's presentation, how many people have seen that on TED? Or just a couple. It's worth looking at. Um, it it gives you a sense of where of how the digital interface is kind of merging with the real world OS and. Everyone knows the scene from Minority Report. Well, in five years, you're going to see a lot of this direct, the, the current rage, which is the direct manipulation, user interface, touch-based, um, evolving into where gestures become part of that and become part of that in a bigger space. And certainly what's happening in games and Microsoft Connect and other areas, there, there are some really big transitions. But cameras are so cheap couple cameras and all of a sudden if somebody goes like that that could be like closing an application you know and and maybe that's easier than the fine manipulation you might need with a the windows uh, mouse input pointer kind of model uh the wint model um and um i think you need to start thinking about this even before the hardware really becomes mature um convergence is also a huge opportunity how come when I'm working on my laptop, if I've got my phone in my pocket, I, my, my SMSs don't show up here. What a pain it is. So that, uh, like I've got, like I got my phone in my pocket, and I've got a bunch of messages streaming in, and I'm just totally unaware. I'm, I'm in my email channel. But that, Android did that today. Yeah, on Mac only with the ground notification. Really? Yeah. Cool. So there's like a little widget. Uh, does yeah, your browser yeah. have to be open? No, it's just a growl notification that and that Mac wow. has built in that you connect Bluetooth to your phone. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're actually having a debate about. <laughs> well, that's just the beginning. You know, uh, how come it's not on my TV? You know, how, now, when I'm watching Avatar or whatever, maybe I don't want uh, 50 emails coming in. But maybe, <laughs> yeah. but maybe I I have I I create a select list of people that are well, really important. Well, phone number shows up. Yeah, that's right. You know, maybe only only maybe if you know if if the president of your company or wherever you have a list, or, and 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 she sends you a text, you may want to to know that, even if you're watching a movie. So you there are ways that I think that this experience is just being thought through. And there's maybe only three or four companies in the world that I think can do this. Um, and I think that, that the uh, web servers are going to be embedded in everything, and printers and watches and cars. And, you know. So if you think about that context, it's, I mean, that's happening now. Uh, so final thoughts. Uh, failure, uh, like this, you know, these engines are, are uh, these drag engines are running, you know, 50 PSI manifold pressure in the heads, and they blow up all the time because you're, you're, you're really trying to finesse these levers and optimize a product. It's really hard, and it's really easy to fail. And ultimately, it comes with having a total lack of complacency with what you did yesterday and a, an obsession with detail. Uh, study how... Other people are consuming their data because it's very different than you know it was five years ago, and I think interface design is the enabler for a lot of these experiences, and you need to focus on a foundation where technical literacy doesn't matter. Uh, this is really hard. <laughs> it's really hard, but you know if it wasn't hard, it makes it really fun, um, and. Uh, 
That's all I got. Done. Yeah. Questions or something you guys want to ask Peter? <laughs> yeah, can you talk about the keyboard, physical keyboard? Yeah, I think that uh, many, many people um, uh, like or prefer the direct haptic feel you have with the physical keyboard. And, uh, and that's not going to go away ever. But I think that the trend is absolutely away from physical keyboards with snap domes and a really tight snap ratio um, away from it because I think that the world is being taught now through so much advertising and, and uh, you know, direct cultural experience that this direct manipulation touch uh, model is good enough and it gets people to want to try it even if they're doubters. So I think that the success of an interface like gestural-based touch can actually change the intrinsic dynamic of what people expect. And that's happening, and keyboards are absolutely on decline. Yeah, I was thinking more on your slide about you know, how you remove stuff is more important than what you actually have on there. Yeah. It seems mm -hmm. Apple said, no, we're not going to do this keyboard. Yeah. And still getting into the business businesses. Well, there's no question that it. The, yeah, there's no question that that having uh, a keyboard makes your product more complex. Um, uh, it, you're, you're, uh, there are some technologies that people are working on that are maybe who knows how far off they are, where a flat surface can become topologically, uh, you know, through artificial muscle. Or there's a bunch of different ways that I've looked at, but nothing good enough for prime time yet. Where maybe you could grow buttons out of the, the the substrate, and then it kind of recedes again and becomes totally clear. But that, that's the that's the desire, but I don't believe it yet. But um, I think that there is absolutely a place for keyboards, and but they are absolutely being replaced. What about handwriting? Uh, there's a question over here first, and I'll get back to you. Uh, yeah. So you talk about the paradigm shift about more like gesture type of music. Yeah. On the other hand, you also talk about you want to have a similar kind of like mingle franker or like HTML. Yeah, yeah, right, right. To me, as a developer, right, I mean, those are the old tools that, I mean, you can... You mean, you mean HTML, CSS? And yeah, I mean, they don't yeah. really, I mean, you probably have to go through another layer to get to the functionality. No, that's right, you do, and that's why you always need an emulator and some kind of IDE, like Eclipse or whatever. To no, I'm more talking about the functionality of the apps in order to delight the user. You need to have some kind of native, a different paradigm of developing new apps. And it seems to me Apple is doing the right thing, even though it's a simple way for people to learn new ways of doing things. But the apps that are coming out is quite a lot better than a HTML5 app. So Do you really believe that? Well, so far I haven't seen like a good HTML5 app yet. So it could be. I think for some applications like game development, uh, even even Palm has a PDK that's in C++ for that that reach down lower into the lower layers to get access to media layers. Um, I, I I think that that the transition is happening pretty rapidly. And for the most part, I would say that what you're saying is true. Um, but I do not believe that, that uh, great apps 
must be written on a proprietary platform, and I think there are examples. I mean, the entire WebOS interface is, a, is an instance of WebKit, you know, and it's running in the browser using HTML5 and CSS and JavaScript. So you can do a lot with it, um, but I think you are right that the tools are not fully matured yet, and they're moving pretty quickly, and Google's certainly pushing a lot of this. Um, uh, as those, uh, you know, CSS3 and some of these other get a little bit more sophisticated. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Uh, yeah, we can do it offline. But yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a little bit concerned about the Google kind of browser model. Yeah. Like, it's constrained by a certain type of app. I mean, it's great yeah. document-based browsing. Well, what's an example uh, of uh, an app that, that, that doesn't work in... Doesn't work in any. Yeah. Um, I don't know some of these. Like, I mean, have you used have you used a pre, for example? I didn't use a pre. Yeah. Try it, yeah. and take a look for yourself. Okay. Look at the calendar. You know, I mean, it's pr pretty nuanced, you know, experience. But, but I, I think that that there's a tr grain of truth to what you have said that will be minimized over time. Um, you asked about handwriting. Um, what was the question? I mean, do you believe in the future in some way? Absolutely, because people like to write. You know, uh, Paul Rand in Chaos Design, Design Chaos and Form, was talk, decrying how uh, a lot of his students can't draw anymore, and they're 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 only using computers, and as a result, everything ends up looking the same, right? And, and endless variations on the same theme, rather than you know broad, big thought. And so I think that handwriting and drawing is human expression. Uh, I think that. Um, Text-based communication uh, is certainly efficient uh, and readable and translatable and, and, uh, and can be restructured and repurposed and the fonts have evolved so that they can be rendered beautifully at different sizes. And so, but I, I don't think you can ever replace the, um, the poetic quality of, uh, and the individual quality of handwriting, just like signatures. You know. Is that what you were asking? Yeah. Yeah, and then I'll go to you. Uh, you don't have to answer this, but yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that you switched to iPhone. No, I, th th that, that is not a, uh, uh, a correct statement. I, so I have, uh, uh, in my new role, I ne absolutely need to understand what's out there, yeah. including Nokia's products, so I'm getting an N900 on Monday. And um, I need to not be arrogant about the uh, experience and UI architecture of this and Android and WebOS and and uh, and also uh, I mean unlike John Rubenstein I actually have used an iPhone. Um, you, you'll anyone that remembers that quote he said he never used one. Which we that was pretty funny. Um, and uh, and I used last week I had uh, a Samsung Captivate that I used for a couple weeks and. I actually think that right now um, I really like the Android. The Android experience graphically and in terms of its user interface um, isn't that um, tight, yeah. but I really like the overall experience, the quality of the hardware, the the uh, incredibly rich application uh, app catalog. I find this sort of like a Fisher-Price phone. Um, it's so discoverable. You can hand it to anybody and they can use it. Um, but uh, the uh, UI model and its lack of multitasking and it, it, what, what's in here is not multitasking. Um, 
uh, is uh, is not good enough for me. I, I I appreciate it, and I think that the as an overall team, these guys do incredible work, and I have a lot of respect for them and the Android stuff and, and what HTC is doing. And um, but I think that there's room for I don't think there's one solution, and I think that there's room for some broadly. Uh, differentiated products that stylistically are different and you know uh, you drive a BMW you know you drive a an F-150 and god damn it I love the, how they're different you know and nobody wears the same shoes and nobody has the same watch and it's aesthetics as it relates to self-esteem we don't all want to be the same right so the that sh should also be true in how these products evolve um, back here and then there so you mentioned uh, one of the slides kind of like the four cornerstones to be competitive in the smartphone yep. market. Yep. Do you think Windows Mobile 7 will, will achieve those four cornerstones? Um, I really like uh, Windows Mobile 7, uh, its metaphor, its graphic design, and I've seen, uh, I had dinner with Peter Cho, the HCC CEO, uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and I saw, I got to see a little preview, and, you know, I think it's going to be relevant. You know, I think their business model's a little messed up because they're actually charging for the uh, OS and nobody else is, and I think that's going to, you know, be a challenge. But I think that nobody's really grabbed the enterprise space in the smartphone market yet, and, and they've got a good crack at it, and uh, I like what Albert Shum and his team are doing, yeah. So you think they're, they're committed to long-term and they're not going to pull a kin on it? And <laughs> they are not going to pull a kin on it. No, and they, 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 they fired a bunch of people and reshuffled all their leadership recently. Um, and they recognize that, that uh, they're irrelevant if they don't get this right. Yeah, right here and then, oh, I guess here. Yeah, you had one already. So. <laughs> I was going to say, how much of your design is focused on the market? For a particular set of people with emphasis on business, or are you just designing and then focusing on? Now, in the context of my new job, uh, starting tomorrow, or in the concept of my old job, or, or I think the new job is more interesting. Well, I'll, I'll give you my opinion since I'm not an official spokesperson of Nokia or Palm at this stage. And so, right, uh, uh, and my opinion is that um, uh, most companies, uh, except for Apple, absolutely over-segment, and that uh, segmentation, for the most part, is a total distraction and can really absolutely mess up your organization and deliver way too many products that are too complicated and trying to fit all these different needs. And I think that there are a lot of needs that are universal. Um, I um, uh, w would like to hope that Nokia might uh, focus on a smaller range of really great products, that, but I do believe that, that some segmentation is required. Um, and, it, and I think that size is one of the most important ones. I think that uh, a lot of women, uh, you gals in the room can tell me if you agree with this, but don't want to carry around a 4.3-inch diagonal, you know, toaster phone, right? Uh, I, mean, I mean, and having a cute little phone that, like, uh, you know, fits in your purse or whatever is kind of nice, you know, and, and that a lot of these phones got really big. Um, uh, I don't know if... If, if, if anyone agrees, I think a lot of men feel the same way. So I think size is a big differentiator, and I think the input is a big differentiator, but I don't really, because of the subsidy models are so heavy at the high end, and that's displacing all the feature phones that are being priced about the same, I think that you're often better off um, just doing a couple great phones with a couple different, you know, with really high quality materials. Don't don't paint plastic to look like metal, you know, um, uh, and put a lot of quality into the experience because the expectations on the hardware side have come up so much 
and, and the supply chain has enabled, I mean, I can talk about this for a while, but I was in China uh, about six months ago, and I was on the line where I saw um, uh, uh, all of the new machined aluminum phones being done at, at Catcher in uh, China, and it is just amazing. I mean, you take a billet of aluminum, the same way that my laptop is made. I didn't see that line, but I saw a line very similar to it. And they, they uh, extrude the material right there, big aluminum bullets. They put them in this giant hydraulic extruder, heat the thing up, and have this giant, you know, 50-foot uh, uh, piece of aluminum that's the cross-section of the phone. And certainly, you know, that's kind of, you know, what they're, what they're doing with the stainless steel frame here. And then they hog out, they machine the entire thing. They machine a solid billet of aluminum, like on the Google Nexus One, that's a solid billet of aluminum that is machined and bead blasted and anodized. And um, there's just, it's mind boggling. And there are maybe 9,000 computer numerically controlled CNC machines in a factory that is multi floor and extends for football fields, right? And it's one-off. They're building them one-off. This is not like production was done several years ago. And they bought, like, the entire capacity of these Japanese CNC um, uh, manufacturing companies for a couple years to support this whole shift where you can actually do uh, one-off, machined, mass-produced products in the millions. I mean, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable shift in the industry. We're uh, out of time. Yeah. So I'd like okay. to thank Peter for coming. Yeah. Do you have any more phones in your pocket? Uh, <laughs> I, I only brought two. I often carry three. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot.